Hey, welcome back to the Mike Dominic Show. Long time no see. Uh, so I'm going to have some updates on some content changes going forward uh, next week, I'm hoping. Possibly the following week, still getting things back together. But we have a regularly scheduled interview with you with the folks from Shells.com. Uh, they do some pretty cool virtualization stuff, virtual desktop stuff. And uh, I think it's better to let them, you know, kind of walk you through it than me. And uh, as always, follow me on Twitter at Dumanuko. And if you need software development work done, particularly Python, reach out to the Mad Botter and also mobile development. Thank you so much. Bye. Alex is Island. How are you guys? Uh, what's going on with shells.com? Apparently, I can now just use a Chromebook or a toaster to do all my dev work. <laughs> yeah, just about. I mean, definitely uh, with shells.com, uh, one big thing that we mentioned is you can use your virtual desktop on any device just because basically we've got uh, shells running on any web browser. Uh, we also have desktop and mobile apps. So we're trying to make it as a uh, easy as possible to get to your virtual computer now. Okay, great. And this is um, Windows, Mac, and Linux for the uh, for the VMs? So for the VMs, we, we offer different Linux distributions and uh, Windows. So we have a little over uh, 20 operating systems that we offer. Mac, on the other hand, is something that is a work in progress right now. Got it. So Mac coming soon. Yeah. So what gave you the idea for this? So it's, it's always been something that's kind of in the back of our minds from the beginning, but, uh, you know, the timing was just kind of right last year with obviously with, with coronavirus going on, you know, you have remote learning and working kind of getting, uh, real popular, obviously. And then that in combination with just, you know, enhance enhancements in technology, right? You have 5g mobile network speeds, uh, internet is faster than ever. So combination of these things you know browsers being able to handle well, most all browsers handling you know javascript html5 it's really kind of made this a reality for us now okay great and who would you say your typical user is i, I saw from looking at your stuff and trying out a, a quick vm that you actually can just get a full let's say windows workstation up visual studio and all and go to town is our coders kind of your target or is it somebody else yeah, definitely coders have been our target from the beginning. And and that's originally kind of who we had developed before, just because the whole idea of being able to test and deploy all within one device is, is obviously very appealing for a coder. But, you know, as we continue to grow, uh, definitely we've tried to create a product that, you know, we always say you can literally be on your machine from the time you get onto our website for the first time to opening up your virtual machine with, with the operating system that you want within five minutes. And, and we're, we're really true to that. Like, so to that point, you know, we want to continue to expand to uh, other audiences as well, just because we do think it's something that anyone can use. And, uh, you know, it, in my opinion, in our opinion, uh, it, it really does represent the future of computing. Okay. Very cool. So let me just take a step back. So you have one of these shells, are they persistent across sessions or is it kind of thing you have to tear it up and boot or tear it down yeah. and bootstrap it back? So they are persistent through the session. What Sounds we like you want to touch on that. try to achieve is that your shell is 24 seven up and that it should be accessible at any time that you decide to access it. So there's no reason to actually reinstall shells every time you access it. So 
everything that you do, we install your documentation uh, is in or any kind of file, it's going to stay inside the shell. So it's kind of, we joking like to say, it's kind of uh, Dropbox and steroids regarding keeping your files safe. And it's also, you know, different things. It's also VPN and steroids because the shells you access are inside the data centers that depending where you choose, it can be a, a different region or even different continent. But yeah, we truly do maintain persistency. Uh, so it's up to use. It will be the same way as you were using it locally, but just instead it's in cloud and we create also snapshots. So in case that you something goes wrong for you, uh, you don't need to reinstall. You can actually go into the snapshot, uh, which is uh, included for free for any tire. And uh, it tracks back uh, entire week of snapshots. And it takes, uh, I think every six hours, we now take snapshots. So you can uh, just roll back if something goes wrong for you. Okay, great. So those those snapshots are not considered individual shells themselves though, right? No, they're just like usual snapshots, basically backup of the entire system. So if you, you know, if you would mess something up that you can't, boot your shell or you can't log in or you know you, you deleted something that you had previously you just use the a snapshot and it rolls back to the uh, previous uh, state the when it took so i also i'm on the configurator and i'm doing the build your own shell so you can basically customize this to whatever size and whatever um, windows or linux os you're looking for do you find, so let me, let me see how I want to phrase this. Do you find folks who maybe aren't developers are spinning up, I don't want to say weaker, but like less, you know, less like fully loaded shells for maybe office work or education? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see uh, a lot of our customers will get like the basic plan, which is, you know, it's only two gigabytes of RAM and and use that just kind of for their basic tasks or um you know, if they want to access a Windows machine on their Mac or something like that, that's uh, we we see a lot of folks use it for that purpose. Very cool. So, how long have you guys been around? So, you know, the company we we started work on the product sometime like mid last year, but we actually did not really launch the product until February this year. So. You'll see, I mean, we've we've been going out trying to connect with different Linux distributions and, uh, you know, try to get a little creative with some of our uh, partnerships. But obviously the, the Linux distributions were kind of a given just because of the fact that, you know, we, we do offer quite a few operating systems. And, you know, we, we've been very adamant on making sure that we work closely with those individual distributions to make sure that we're offering, you know, a product that that they would stand by, that we would stand by, and and just making this process, you know, or making um, the virtual desktop essentially as seamless as possible. So, very cool. Is there any particular premium distribution or distribution that you find um, works? Best, I want to. I want to be a little careful. For instance, is there like a, a default distribution? I guess is how I would say it. I know. I know Zlatan's answer. <laughs> Debian, of course. <laughs> Debian. Oh. 
What about six? <laughs> Come on, guys. We don't actually have the default distribution. Uh, I think we did discuss at some point maybe Windows or Ubuntu to be the default one, but we we don't like strongly prefer uh, any distribution to other distribution. But Debian does actually work probably the best because I spend most of the time of it and I work on it. I'm uh, officially a Debian developer, so it's a bit easier for me to dive into that. But speaking of SUSE, uh, OpenSUSE is actually maintained by an OpenSUSE developer. So so the experience should be uh, actually quite well there as well, if not perfect. Come to the lizard side and <laughs> change your life. Uh, are you a are you a Debian desktop user yourself? I'm a, I'm a Debian developer, so yeah, oh. I'm naturally a Debian user. Damn. Of course, of course, I says this says the guy who runs two servers on his own Mac right now. <laughs> but uh, but you know the different distributions. It's it's been great because one of the coolest things is being able to try each distribution, you know, and literally within a couple of minutes you can switch from distro to distro. So. For me, it's been great to be able to test some of these ones that I actually have not used in my past. So, you know, each has its own little advantage. Like, I, you know, something like OpenSUSE and, and Manjaro for me have been very user-friendly and easy to kind of get around. And then you have, you know, the other day I was using MX Linux, which was nice because I was using that on the basic machine, which with two gigs of RAM, you know, MX Linux is is pretty lightweight and runs very well. So, you know. It's 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 been it's been a cool experience. How is the Windows licensing handled for for Windows shells? Is that a bring your own license, or do you guys just take care of that? Yeah, so we offer both. So we have the bring your own license, and then we also have the option to get a, a essentially a fully activated machine where you're where you're paying uh, nine dollars a month for for that. So we've definitely made that as as painless as possible. So. Got it. But if you're a Windows, I forgot what they call it, but it's a volume enterprise or something like that for uh, for businesses. Yeah, you it's, can it's, use your you can use your license on shells. Yes, correct, correct. Okay, very good. So I guess the question is, why wouldn't I just set up or someone like me? And I think most of my listeners are developers and development consultants, especially like Windows VMs, which are notoriously uh, picky or difficult to maintain. Evil. I'm not sure which word we want to use. Why wouldn't you just have a shell for each of your either development customers or different, you know, development configurations, or is that exactly how it's intended to be used? So regarding configurations, we have uh, the default configuration that we run, but if like any business or any developer needs a custom configuration, we can tailor for that. And one cool thing about shells itself, especially for developers, is that once you're inside the admin panel that we call console, you have option to go into advanced mode. By default, it's in the light mode. And in the advanced mode, you can do things like add SSH keys. But there's also a call section MyOS, which is basically you're adding your own images. So you can literally create an image uh, either out of shells or create a script to build an image for shells according to or either similar or you know uh, close to what we have uh, on our github repos so it's open source and it's easy to dive in to see how we do it and you can actually share that custom os 
uh, further with your customers or your company or your co-workers, fellow developers, etc. And this is not too particular for developers, but it was something interesting for Linux uh, newbies. Uh, when you do distro hopping and after people get tired of that, they usually want to try to create their own Linux distro because it seems so easy and then find out that it's quite difficult. And one one of the side effect of shells is actually, we didn't plan to do this, but it just happened through coding. So if you're inside any shell, let's say open source, and you change the background, uh, change some configurations, uh, install that, uh, some apps, remove some other apps, you can actually export that entire shell as its own image and then share it to other people. And it's going to contain all the changes that you uh, made. So that's that's super interesting. So if you were setting up, let's say, employees or teammates workstations, you could set up one shell master image that is like, uh, I don't know, I know I'm being very developer focused here, but like this is our, you know, this is our Debian Python development loadout that we use for all our Python developers. So somebody comes on board, you sign a new developer, you simply hand him or her the shell and he's off to the races, is that? Yep. So we have, uh, Alex is going to expand on that a bit more. So we have a pilot going on in uh, Texas uh, with uh, with a coding high school. And they needed to have a special tailored Ubuntu image that had of a couple of coding uh, tools on it. So we basically prepared that special image. And uh, every image gets its unique uh, OS ID. And we just share that OS ID and it runs to ins- installation as it would run normally to any other installation on shells. Interesting. Alex, do you want to talk a little more about the uh, pilot program in Texas? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to expand on it, it's when, when we had started shells, obviously we had focused on the developers, but this other segment was the, the schools. So we had connected with a few schools and, and one of these high schools in, in Houston I was like, hey, come on down, you know, shell sounds great. And, you know, I go down to this classroom and uh, the classroom has what, roughly 20 people. And it, they all have different computers, right? Some of them have Chromebooks, some of them have HPs, even one person had just a tablet. So everyone had a different device and, you know, different specs and, and they were looking at different, um, you know, desktops. So, we, we layered shells on all the computers, um, just like Zlatan was mentioning earlier. You know, we gave them a Ubuntu image with with uh, preloaded uh, developer tools and we said, go. <laughs> but, you know, basically they had, you know, everyone was looking at the same thing, even though they all had different devices, different, you know, different stages of life for each device and everything. But at the end, they're all, you know, on, on the same spec machine. I love it. And it's a great equalizer for the kids too, right? Because it doesn't matter if you have a you know, fancy MacBook Pro or System 76 or you just have the you know, public school issued Chromebook. You, you can have the same development tools and development experience as the child next to you. Exactly, exactly. And then some of the students, you know, they're like, they're giving their computers to their uh, brother or their sister, right? So they show up to school without even a device. So, you know, at the end of the day, Shell stays with you wherever you go, right? You just... You just sit in front of a, a device, open up a browser, and, and you're right into your your own, you know, your personal computer. So. Awesome. Now, is there any 
other than like the obvious stuff of inputs and uh, you know being a touchscreen or not, is there any difference between running it on, let's say, an iPad versus a Chromebook versus a you know standard desktop laptop? Yeah, I mean, so each uh, like let let's use the Chromebook as an example. So the Chromebook, you you have two ways of of going in, right? You can go in either through a web browser. Or with the Chromebook, you can also download the, the application, the, the Android application. So you have a couple different options there to go. Um, and then the same case would be for like the desktop as well, browser, desktop app, you know, and, and so on. But at the end, all the experiences will be the same. There might be some slight differences like with, you know, like an iPad and the way a mouse works there versus desktop. But at the end of the day, you're, you're going to be looking at the same thing regardless of the device. Uh, to add to that, it's uh, maybe we still didn't perfect it. We probably didn't perfect it. Still, there are uh, you know, bugs popping here and there. But it's kind of an interesting angle to look at that from a convergence uh, point of view. We're basically converging all devices into a single experience and also from developer standpoint of view we are converging all you know different systems into basically a, a one experience which is something that convergence tries to achieve by having the one code base for everything uh, this is just another angle to it because basically for all supported devices for example if you're a windows developer and you only know how to develop windows now your app can you know be on any linux distro which is a you know another interesting use case to have Shells basically serve uh, entire app uh, kind of in a kiosk mode, and uh, you would have it present on any Linux distro. And we also have in pipeline Android OS, so you know basically a Windows app can run now on Android OS and twenty different uh, Linux distros and additions. So, Miss, if I if I get that, so if you are developing an application that let's say it's just your you know old school WPF uh, C sharp app but you need it to run on, let's say, Debian. A use case that you guys are already supporting is that you can distribute your application as basically a shell. Yeah, so for example, AutoCAD software, I assume you heard about it from Autodesk. Yeah, so they have a couple of years, I don't know how long, they started offering basically Autodesk in the browser. And what's that? In reality, it's not that they developed a special code to go into the browser or created uh, something entirely or ported the old code to browser somehow. Uh, it's They are running it uh, on Windows machine and Autodesk AutoCAD uh, actually has a kiosk mode. So when you run it in the browser, you're not really running it like inside the browser per browser. See, it's actually a remote desktop to a Windows machine that just running the AutoCAD application full screen in kiosk mode so you can't uh, that easily exit out. So the same you can achieve for any shell. You know, you can develop an app on Windows, uh, create it a uh, kiosk mode to run it in full screen, and then you know that becomes uh, its own special uh, OS, as we called before that, like making the customer. So it it uh, gets its own shared OS ID that you can share, and uh, with sharing that, uh, it becomes available on any device that shells uh, can run, so through browser. And if you're now, let's say, on uh, Debian and, you know, I need this 
uh, Windows app that's only Windows, uh, but I know, you know, somebody made it inside shells and it's in kiosk mode. I can just run a Windows shell inside uh, my Debian and I have that on my fingertip. Okay, very cool. So I, I like that idea a lot. So if you have some sort of either mixed OS environment in your organization, or you have, I and mean, this is a case I see all the time in my business, a legacy application that's like some horrible application that runs off of access, right? And is battleship gray, old school <laughs> Windows Vista, whatever. Um, you could create a shell for that. And basically people in your organization can just spin up individual shells that run that application. That is correct. Uh, we did just for jokes, but obviously made it possible. So we created a MS-DOS image for shells. Uh, and basically it means that you can virtually create any uh, environment that you need and like that legacy applications you don't need to spend anymore as a company time you know to maintain it and go to the legacy hell and try that you can now just basically have your app inside shells and you know it doesn't matter are people using the latest mac os x they just open the browser open the shell with uh, that app running inside and it's going to work for them you don't need to think about compatibility you know, you, you threw all that out. You just basically base on one base, which is, you know, obviously the easiest path for all developers. I'm not going to say most, basically for all developers, it's easiest path to, you know, just develop it once and basically forget about it. Unless, of course, you need to do some security part. Makes sense to me. So I know we're going to have a link in the show notes uh, for folks to check this out and sign up and maybe... Uh, I would love to see an Amiga shell or a Next Step OS shell. I'm just saying, just throwing that out there. <laughs> That's an idea. <laughs> but I, so I always end with two questions. Uh, one is very easy and one is a little hard. Which one would you guys like first? Give us the hard one. <laughs> what should I have asked you that I didn't know enough or failed to ask you? It's hmm. a good question. question indeed. <laughs> maybe uh you know where are we going you know kind of what what's the future hold for shells <laughs> all right so what's the future hold for shells what's it going to look like in five years yeah so like like i mentioned at the beginning you know we we focus on developers and and you know we want to continue to try to get uh you know deeper deeper into schools just because we see you know a, a real nice need there for 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 them uh, beyond that, uh, I would we, we definitely want to continue to expand to the general audience just because we, we whether it's, a, you know, small business, which small businesses have already reached out to us. And and, you know, Zlatan mentioned uh, several different use cases there. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, what, what we've seen with Dropbox and, and, you know, the other cloud storage solutions where, you know, it was slow at first, but it eventually caught on. And like Zlatan said, this is like a Dropbox and steroids. So not only can you store your files, but you can, you know, create, edit, modify, you know, you can do whatever you want because it is your own computer at the end of the day that, that you can do whatever you want with it. So that's, you know, I, I really, you know, I'm very biased, obviously, but, you know, I really do think that the future is is uh with the virtual desktop and 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 we're going to do whatever we can to help push that out to uh the rest of the world yeah and from my standpoint of view it's uh 
10 years ago, we discussed uh, cloud servers and, you know, most of the people were either against it or oblivious to it or didn't care. Uh, you know, it's just another person, computer, etc., which is true, of course. But I truly do think that remote uh, desktops are the next evolution of the desktop experience. And obviously, you know, Microsoft and Amazon and Lenovo are starting to more heavily invest and bet on that uh, field. There's particular reason why I also see it from a technical standpoint of view. It's a combination of a couple of things. Uh, one thing is that a lot of people don't really update their systems. And by using shells, you know, once you install a system, it's going to be on the latest. And uh, of course, we can't force you, you know, to, to update further. But like on every reinstallation or, you know, just paying attention to that, you're going to have up-to-date system. The second is, you know, it's uh, the virtual isolation. So it's going to be a bit, you know, it's a layer of security. It makes it a bit harder to hack into a such machine compared to the usual desktops that most of users run, which are very insecure. There's also backups, which almost none of uh, average users uh, do it. And which else, you know, we have snapshots and we plan to add. Actually, we added a couple of things in the background, uh, but we still didn't... Uh, present it to users via UIUX is going to be offline uh, backups. So even in case that the entire data center burns down, you know, we're going to have somewhere backup to make secure, to make sure that your data is secure. There's also one thing, I, uh, for example, I come from Bosnia, which is not the most developed country in the world. There's an issue with this disposal of incoming countries like Bosnia, and it's especially a severe case for countries in Asia and Africa. It's not that easy to just go out and buy a good device. Usually there's enough money, you know, to just uh, tip in, you know, and like 10 bucks a month, you know, to, to, to subscribe to something. And the internet is actually coming, you know, to most areas, even uh, rural areas. But, you know, the internet speed is getting up and uh, initiative from Google, you know, to, to spread the internet to Africa and make it easy accessible and high speed net. It means that a lot of households are actually going to get that network or, you know, schools, but they're still not going to have enough disposable income to buy the devices. And there's the chips shortage and there's the e-waste. And now everything in combination with uh, all that, you know, shells is kind of solution, you know, to a lot of things, to the e-waste and climate change, to the chip shortage, because you don't need now to buy a new device, you know, you don't need to go on spree and just buy the latest and the greatest because now you can use an old device, you know, you could, we got asked on Twitter about can shells run on Raspberry Pi? And while we didn't test it, we answered if it can run, you know, YouTube videos in full HD without issues, it's probably going to run shells just fine. And the person that has us like came back an hour, two hours after that, and they said, like, I test on Raspberry Pi, and it works fine. So it makes Raspberry Pi suddenly, you know, a really strong device that you can use and perform all your duties. There's also, you know, with pandemic and the remote place, which was even before, like, pandemic, the remote was, you know, being more and more popular, and now it's becoming, you know, increasingly popular, and I think it's here to stay. Uh, you don't need to now, you know, spend... If you're a startup or a small business you, you, and you want to achieve something, you need to employ suddenly, you know, more people. You will get some funding to employ more people. You don't need to spend, you know, $20,000 to buy, you know, 10 
MacBooks and send it to 10 developers. You know, now you can just, you know, spin 10 shells and they're going to have, you know, the same environment. They can work with the same tools and everybody's going to be connected. And for the future of shells, I see a lot of tools that we have actually in back. We want to just expose them, you know, to, to users in front uh, because they are kind of like enterprise grade, you know, uh, provision multiple shells and, you know, control them and permissions, giving permissions to users, uh, to shells, to access, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my basic view. You know, it's from hardware and it's from software standpoint of view. And for our own future is basically, you know, polish and expose uh, all the features that we are baking in the background. I love it. That, that is a great answer. So now I'm going to change the easy question because usually it's what does your local uh, workstation look like? But come on, you guys are all about the remote, right? What OS, and I think I know uh, Latin, you're going to say Debian, do you primarily use in shells? Personally, I mean. So for me, I, I actually use Windows quite a bit just because I don't have a Windows device. So it's very convenient for me to have windows and and there are a couple of things that are nice like uh microsoft excel is an example i i grew up with that one and it's just you know it's a program that i enjoy using <laughs> but but uh yeah windows is definitely uh nice for me i mean i would say probably debian but it's not something i'm like uh written in stone using because i'm actually the maintainer for uh, our images. So I spend a lot of time building different distros, testing. Uh, uh, we are actually, you know, like some images we maintain on our own. Some in- images we, you know, collaborate with distro. Some images are almost entirely maintained by distro developers. So there's a lot of work going on. And uh, on daily basis, I change a lot of systems. I love it. Oh, so, okay. This has been great, guys. Where where can folks find you and where can they learn more about Shells? So shells.com can go there. Make sure to add the S. Otherwise, you uh, end up at a gas station. So, um, But you, know, you can find us uh, more out about us there. Great. Sounds good. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you, Michael, for having us. Thanks, Thank Michael. you. Thank you.